This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Oh, man, <laughs> it's Wednesday, halfway through our Super Bowl bonanza. It's it's not a slog, I make it sound like it is, but I'm loving every minute. And have we got a guest for you today. This guy has written the Fantasy Black Book, and he goes by the name of Joe Pizapia. Joe, welcome to Five Yard Rush. How are you? Thanks for having me, boys. It, it reminds me of my school days when I was in England. So this is nice to uh, chat you all up. I spent a little time across the pond myself in school. And uh, it's, uh, it's fun to, it's nice to see the NFL starting to take hold a little bit. Uh, and it seems like it's popular there. I mean, you know, that or they're just feeding us a bunch of lines over here in the States. No, man, it's the fastest growing sport in the country. And really? In wow. And in Europe, it's, it's absolutely huge. So we, we, we've got four games. Those games will sell out guaranteed within minutes. So um, Chris and I are season ticket holders, which means we get first dibs on buying tickets. Um, yeah, but if you're not a season ticket holder and you have to buy one secondhand, like on Ticket Talent Insight, I think for my first game, I paid 350 quid for the pair. Jeez, which, wow. It does madness. What's the environment like there? Like they're super into it and obviously they're paying the prices. It's not just like an experiment now. Yeah. No, it's, I, it's very, very, very popular here. And we get a lot of people from Germany. Yeah. So Germans really love the NFL and they buy up as many tickets as they can and fly in or, or yeah, most people fly in uh, as yeah. opposed to take the train over. So it's uh, it's huge and there's so much appetite for it. So we have on our coverage here, ex-players. So Jason Bell, O.C. Usamura. Yeah, they're both uh, on it. And then at the games as well, it's good. Like the first game I went to was the Rams-Giants game a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Goff, I think, or was it Case Keenum? Jared Goff, I think, had, was yeah, back. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and he got down to the end zone and they needed a touchdown. And the place was so loud, booing, wow. that he couldn't. They then put, he threw a pick because he couldn't. That's great. Yeah. And it wasn't like we were all Rams fans. It's just everybody got into, into the moment. And it just so happened that we didn't cheer for the Rams. <laughs> See, I'm on the East Coast, so I love it. Because I like waking up in the morning and having a game on in the morning. And the West Coast people hate it because the game happens before they wake up. But, you know, I mean, they've had all this time all these years to, like, have a life. After, the, you know, the last game, they can still go out and do something. But not me. I still got to <laughs> stay here till like, 1130 midnight and see everything and, and figure it all out. So, I'm, I'm quite pleased. I, I like the London football. I'm all about it. It's great. We've got a great slate of games this year. We're, we're absolutely, well, I'm overly excited being a Bucks fan. So, I went in uh, – I've been to most – I've been to most years to London games. I went in 09 uh, when the Patriots actually destroyed us with that <laughs> team um, that we put out there. And then uh, when the Bears beat us, I think it was in 2012. And the, the fandom now is far more aware of the game. It's not just the entertainment of seeing something exciting. Right. It's now there's a real understanding of what the sport is. So people are glued to Red Zone and 
Um, Red Zone is massive. Oh, he's absolutely huge. Wow, that's great. So I guess fantasy is taking hold too, I would imagine that. Well, when you leave the London games, because they are early, it finishes just as the, I want to say morning games for you guys. Right, yeah. The 6 p.m. games for us. You walk down to the station to get the train and stuff, and I'd say 50% of people are looking at their fantasy lineups for players who have just played or set in their 6 p.m. lineups. Music to my ears, boys. I love it. Let's do it. Let's sell more books. I'm all about it. Oh, listen. (laughs) Well, and that's it. We can get you on now because I don't know how well the book is over here. Um, but we're going to make sure that more people hear about it and share it as much as possible because it's a it's an excellent read and we're, we're going to dive into it. So yeah, I mean, do, do you want to talk about the book now quickly? Yeah, you? I guess I guess why not? Because I, I bought I bought the book for last year. It was interesting because obviously when we got talking a, a couple of months back, I, I bought mm-hmm. it because I hadn't heard of it until. You guested on the uh, the Fancy Pros podcast. Really loved what what you did on that, and um, was fascinating. And the book's an amazing read. But I guess because I've read it, knowing most of what's happened in the season, it's amazing <laughs> how well it held up. I don't know. Oh, if that, you know that's like, good. That's the best review I could get. I like that. That sounds tremendous. Well, you know what it is, boys. It's it's one of those things where you know it's very difficult nowadays because everybody's given so much information. So there's a lot of rankings and a lot of stuff, and and a lot, I mean every host site that you're playing on is giving you all of these things. So really, the playing field. I mean, when I started, you know, 15, 20 years ago, playing fantasy football and baseball, the playing field was really you know the internet was still young. You had you could find places and research and and find these gems, and then now the internet's just crushed that. Like it's, there's no such thing as a sleeper. It doesn't exist. So how do you separate yourself in this concept of relative position value is what I always use. And I, and I brought it over from baseball to football when people have had enormous success. And, and I'm one of these independent people. Like I, and there's no massive site behind me pushing the book or anything. It's just, I call it the people's champion of fantasy because that's it. They, they read it. It makes sense. And they can apply it. And what it is, basically, it's a system that is very simple to understand where it quantifies player value uh, and, and compares players to each other in the same position. And instead of just rankings where like, I like this guy better than that guy. Well, that's great. Well, how much? It, it quantifies that. And it uses a combination of projections and previous season stats and three-year averages. And it just gives you a simple percentage so that you see, you know, most teams have an RB1. And well, how much better is Todd Gurley than the other RB1s? And then where does the drop-off happen after the fantasy league average RB1 that you go into the negative? And how do you build strength? Because basically fantasy is very simple. It's, it's a game where you're trying to outproduce me. There's as many spots in your roster as possible. And if I can do that, or you can do that consistently, then you're going to have very consistent success. And that is always been the foundation of it. And I, I love numbers are great, but I like counting money. So I, I feel like, you know, so when you can give people something that they can understand and it's adaptable to all different league depths and types and standard and PPR and half and everything that, you know, you're arming them with something they can go in and feel good about instead of overloading them with a lot of numbers that at the end, it just kind of, I think it tenses people up and it makes them make, poor decisions or at least not informed enough decisions yeah for sure absolutely and it really it really held up so uh, excellent because in your your running backs it's just what i've just got on the screen now you had uh todd Gurley at 40 percent rpv um you put left bell but obviously it was written well before what would happen so yes i know i'm very sad i had two shares i had two number one picks and i went both because i said he'll never hold out the whole season well i was wrong <laughs> who would give up 14 million dollars i know i won't no i i almost <laughs> respect him for it i think do you know what? <laughs> yeah i know at a certain point you got to get past the anger and just accept it and be like wow that that takes a lot of balls but the, these are the players you had in positive uh rpv so you had alvin Kamara, 17 percent Cream Hunt, 8%, which probably kind of stacked out considering the games he sort of sat yeah. out. It wasn't far off. Melvin Gordon, 5%. Mark Ingram, 2%. Um, and then your your negatives were for your RB1s was McCoy at 4%. And he was obviously well off from that. Carlos right. High, 15%. Fournette, 16, minus 16%. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. It was probably the only sort of bad call in here at minus 16%. And, and part of that was because whether or not we all were buying into the whole usage. And I think all of us were saying, you know, are we ready to make the commitment to him as an RB? And the fact that I made him an RB1, if he was an RB2, he would have been probably the top guy. And that's the whole point is it's also depending on format. And, and if you look in the PPR section, I'm, and I'm not sure exactly the adjustment of what that is, but in the standard, he was definitely an RB2. And then the PPR, I believe he was a low-end one. But the idea is, you know, okay, let's, let's, before we purchase it at the premium price, let's see it. You know, let, let's see that it's the case. Cause we've heard a lot of nonsense, a lot of years in football about this guy's going to be the guy and that's going to, and you know, it doesn't always come to fruition, especially with a body type like McCaffrey, but 
the way the NFL rules are structured, it's much easier now for that guy to run amok because the, 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 the things that basically hold back a defense now that prohibit them from hitting guys and, and making tackles the way they used to or intimidating people the way they used to. So that is absolutely the reason why McCaffrey, and I'll tell you what, I, I love McCaffrey going into next year. He's top three without hesitation. Yeah, we did a, a, t- a way too, too early look and we had him both. I think we had him at three. So yeah, yeah we're, we're big fans of, of him. I'm not a big Panthers guy, but I do really love what he does. And I think he had so much. Um, just the last thing on, on RPB before we move on is, but the part of this I really loved about this, or almost over everything else, was the way that you use it to analyze draft. So you instead of necessarily taking the best player off the board, looking at RPV to decide there might be a better pick who might not get you more points per se, but the gap between him and the next person on right. the list um, is a huge, huge factor to say, well, actually, you could be passing on a an RB2 and taking a tight M1, but the impact that is going to have on the the selections overall and the gain you're going to get per sort of position gameplay is huge. And then also using it to analyze trades so that you're getting the right end of the trade, even though it looks like on paper it could be a mismatch. And I thought that whole section you've written there was was absolutely fascinating. And I'm going to tweet out a link to, to <laughs> Kindle because, it, honestly, I, I'm not saying this because you're on, on here, it really changed my perspective on how I evaluate talent because I'd never thought to compare against the rest of the class by dividing into uh, an RB1 or, or, or a WR. Well, and- Exactly. And that's the whole point I'm making is that most teams are going to have an RB1. So why are we, why are we even ranking all the running backs together as one big clump? That's stupid. You know, and, and, and again, how much of this industry is driven on, here's my top 100, here's my top 20. And and that's great. And I'm not saying the people's opinions aren't informed because they are, these people work really hard, but to actually quantify it. And then on top of that, to, to relieve people of the burden where they go, Oh, you know, I really need uh, this to fill out my roster. No, you don't. You need to keep staying strong because don't go into the negative just to fill out a roster spot. Like if you're, if you're like, well, you know, I could take this tight end here, but you know what? He's a negative in terms of fantasy league average. Well, why, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you keep taking positive players? You can't make any headway there. So you might as well keep making productive choices and build strength because roster strength is more important than roster balance. hundred percent. And it really was a game changer when I read that and I was evaluating the teams that I did well with last year and the teams that weren't and the ones that were championship winning teams are kind of fluked upon that sort of strategy without thinking it. And <laughs> the ones that struggled were ones that I was filling roster spots with negative uh, RPV and that's why they struggled. So um, it, it makes complete sense when I was sense checking it going, no, that really holds up. So uh, it's something I think we're, we're going to have to talk more on, on, on our pod and, and we're doing rankings. So thanks for opening the eyes and, <laughs> and, and, you know what? You know what does them too. Sometimes it, it solidifies things that people were thinking, but it puts them in black and white. You're like, yeah, that's yeah, that's how I feel, but I couldn't quite put it into words. And I've I've gotten a lot of that over the years too. And it took a while to break the cycle of I love this book. It's the best thing I've read, but I'm never telling anyone about it. That's not great for sales. I found out it's kind of a uh, it's kind of <laughs> difficult. You know, it's like that's a really high compliment, but I'd love for you to tell everyone you know about it because you know my children need more WWE figures and things so you know it's like i i've got i've got you know i got stuff to support here i gotta figure out a way but you know eventually you overcome that hurdle and uh it's and i it's always great when people find it for the first time and they communicate you know how it's helped them in leagues or won championships and it, i've heard i've had some great stories i had a kid who won so much money playing dfs with my book that he was able to go back to school and finish the semester he had to stay home he stayed home he took some money and he invested in dfs for a year and used the book and listened to my show and he ended up Begging enough money, he paid for his tuition for the next semester. Isn't that wild? That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's like if you feel like, well, what am I doing here? I'm not changing the world. But you know what? I'm, you're making an impact. You're entertaining people. You're helping enhance people's entertainment and experience and fantasy because they love, they're passionate about it. And sometimes you are making an impact in some way. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, my brother-in-law is an avid listener of our pod and he texts me when the season finished at week 16, 17. He's like, what am I going to do at work? Or how is my, my commute is going to be a lot less boring now on a Tuesday because I don't have you guys to listen to. So, yes. you know, we haven't impacted anybody quite the way you have by paying for tuition. But if no. we somebody's journey on a Tuesday morning or afternoon a little exactly. bit better than Exactly. I, I had a listener when I was on Sirius for a couple of years doing the, doing the worst shift you could possibly do. Saturday, 10 to 1. I'm like, nobody is listening to me. 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. I'm here three hours by myself ranting and raving. 
and granted I'm very Italian, so I can yell and scream about a lot of things. And I get fired up on my own and, and, you know, I'd have guests, but you know, I, a guy, he messaged me and he said, Hey, you know, I'm in the hospital and you know, I'm, I'm battling illness and, and you know, Saturday night, no one comes to visit you, but every Saturday I got your show and it's great because it's like three hours where I kind of just, you know, there's company in the room and I, it's, it's amazing. It's crazy. Some of the stories you hear are just awesome. And it, it makes you, uh, it inspires you to like, okay, now I got to make the product better and better. And how do I, how do I keep bringing in people that I trust that I think think the same way I do and keep improving the product and get a discussion? Like, and I, I, I never understood people say, why do you have people who write other books on your show? And I said, well, because it's a discussion, isn't it? Like, I mean, isn't this a, a discussion of ideas at, at the end of the day? I mean, you know, what kind of prick am I if I'm going to say, no, I don't, that guy's a competitor. I don't want to have him on the show and promote. No, because how am I, how's anyone going to have me on a show <laughs> to, to do that? Again, wrestling figures, lots of <laughs> things well, I have to take care of. So if we can help you get a Daniel Bryan, <laughs> then let's do oh, it. How great is this fickle gimmick, man? I'll tell you, that, that, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Well, we're going to be your uh, your UK chapter for the book, so we're going to uh, awesome push this and and get it out there and and, and get you more fans and, and more figurines. Can I- there you go, there we go, there you go. Fans of figurines—that's the new show. <laughs> Joe, can I ask a really naive question? Absolutely. So a lot a lot of people I know who play fantasy and stuff—they use a draft kit when they're drafting, and they've used the same draft kit for years and years. Is this book? Can you use it with a draft kit, or is it? Does it replace the draft kit itself? You know, well, the draft kit is—you know—most of the time it's you know the names on the board and the whole thing like that. You know, that's what people kind of buy draft kits for usually. But you know, RPV is a system; it's a concept, and it's not meant to just be a draft guide. It's meant, to, like you said, you point out, it's about evaluating trades. Um, the baseball book, which I'm actually going to carry over into the football this year, I wrote a whole chapter about being the commissioner and what that means and how to operate and how not to operate. And what are the things I've seen people do that ruin a league and make a league great? And, um, you know, those kind of things that people, you know, don't think enough about. Stop, stop writing me an essay about why I should make this trade. Cause if you have to make an essay about it, then I probably don't want to make the trade. I don't need to be sold. The trade should either speak for itself or you need to go back and figure it out. And I think that's something that people should realize as well. And, and, realize that the draft guide is just not enough i want something that people can like like you said i'm reference all year long or go back to and, and take a look at and or you know just continue to utilize and then next year i've gotten a lot of people asking me about cheat sheets for drafts because obviously it's kind of hard to flip through the book so this year for baseball is the first year we did cheat sheets so you can purchase them separately and you know for a couple bucks because i'm not trying to rake anybody over the coals but you know for a couple bucks they get a cheat sheet for all three this year coming up in 2019 for standard for half and full ppr so you can have the sheets right there either on your computer or you can have them in a, you know, in a pdf or you can print them out and have them in your you know when everyone sits down and draft that's so good yeah i love that so I'll be buying that. And uh, <laughs> well, you know a guy, so maybe I take care of you. You know, hey, yeah, hey, you know a guy. Hey, what are you doing? Come on, my well, people. I, I want to drive in a little bit about you personally, Joe, because um, you know what. One of the questions I always like to ask people when we get them on is, "You're so privileged to do what you do, and you work very hard for that." But how did you get your start into doing this and talking about fantasy football and uh, and what you do for for a living? Like, how did how did it all begin for you? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I came from, I came from athletics as a kid. I played baseball my whole life and I was always just a big sports nut. And, um, and then, you know, the two things I did was I did theater and I did sports. And then I had a choice, I had a scholarship for baseball or acting. And I said, well, I'm five, seven and I think I'm good, but I'm not that good. So, you know, I'm going to go do this other thing. And I worked in the industry for about 15 plus years. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, and I mean, worked like I had, you know, my health insurance through the acting union. So I was a professional, not like, you know, come see me in Oklahoma at the, you know, at the 10 seat community theater. It wasn't like that. Um, but eventually then, you know, I took another job and I got kind of, you know, just kind of burnt out from traveling and all this stuff and you, you make choices, you settle down and do these things. And then, you know, I, I said, you know, I want, I want to try to, I want to try to start writing for a site because I really, I really enjoy this. I think I've got a lot to share and that went terribly one site was great and then they folded and then another site promised me the moon and the stars and they screwed me. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to write a book. And I thought, eh, maybe it'll make a couple bucks or whatever. And then I went to number one, the first year in fantasy sports, cause there was really nothing on Amazon at the time. And that was back in 2011. And that was my, my high school friend and I, we started doing our own podcast, Dan Strafford. So a lot of people, uh, for us together over the years, we've always stayed very, uh, we've been, we've been at so many networks together. It's, it's crazy. We always just keep dragging each other along, but, you know, we started doing that and then the book started taking off and then 
started doing guest spots on Sirius. And then the guy who used to have me on, he left the show and then they offered it to me because they liked what I did. And I said, yeah, but I'm only going to do it if I can have Dan do it with me because that's what you do for your boys. And then, you know, I spurned that into another network. I worked at FNTSY for a couple of years. We were on radio show of the year. And, you know, it's just a matter of every year you just keep plugging along, plugging along. How can I make it better? How can I grow this? And then the last two years, it really, when you could buy the physical copy, which is astounding to me because you'd think, right, this technological age, but people still want to hold something in their hand. And I intentionally put it on the kind of paper that you can make notes on and write on and highlight instead of magazine paper, which I think is useless. Like, what if you want to make a notation? What do you want to write something down or, you know, and the paperback version really just blew up and it, and it became a big deal. And, you know, last year it was number one in football books, not just fantasy, but football books for two straight weeks ahead of TV 12 and Nick Foles. So, I mean, awesome. not, not bad company. I can tell you that. Well, maybe, maybe Nick Foles is bad company, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, nice. poor Nick. He's a Super Bowl MVP. Wait. He is. He is. Oh, Super Bowl winner. He beat my Patriots. I know that's an unpopular thing to say, my Patriots. But I lost Super Bowls before I won them, so I don't want to hear anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so who is your who's your team, Joe? Why why do you who's your team? <laughs> well, hey, here you go. Here's the fun story. Ready? The uh, I, I'm a I'm a loser Mets fan because in the '80s the Mets were everything in New York, and uh, I had a golden age in my childhood, and it's gone to crap for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been fun, but. As a kid, I didn't want, growing up in Brooklyn, I did not want to root for a team from New Jersey. I thought that was stupid. I was like, hey, New Jersey. The Jets and Giants play in Jersey. They don't play in New York. Screw those guys. And I said, you know, I'm going to root for the Buffalo Bills. They're in New York State. I'm going to give that a whirl. And I'm a kid. I'm like 10 years old. What the hell do I know? And, you know, they just start getting good there with Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly and Andre Reid. And when you think about the Hall of Famers, the Bruce Smiths, the Daryl Taylors, the Cornelius Bennetts, I mean, it's possibly one of the greatest rosters ever assembled. And we moved to New Jersey, and that first year they, they lost to the Giants, and that was tough to take. But I wore my starter jacket. I'm dating myself, but I don't care. I wore my starter jacket proudly. And then the next year they lost to the Redskins, and that was rough. And then they lost to the Cowboys two years. And I'm like, where the hell did all these Cowboy fans come from in New Jersey? They're from Texas. I'm, I'm mad. And then I realized something. At 13 years old, I know it sounds like an impossible thing, I said, Football is about coaching and systems because I saw Bill Parcells, Joe Gibbs, and Jimmy Johnson just out-prepare and out-coach Marv Levy every time. And I said, if they don't make a change and move him along, God bless his soul, that I I can't do this anymore. And they didn't. And I said, I'm going to go wherever the best coach goes. And that was Parcells. So I went up there and I, then they lost the Super Bowl. And then I thought it was me. I started to get a complex. (laughs) Brett Favre beat me. And then I had the Pete Carroll years. And then Belichick came. And then Mo Lewis killed Drew Bledsoe, and then life got really good after that. So it's a decent story. I know, right? Not what you're expecting. So yeah, it's it's been great, and it reminds me every every September when football comes around that I can have joy again because after a long Mets season, <laughs> you're pretty freaking depressed. You just you can't do it anymore. You just want to kill yourself. So that's fair. Well, we, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Buccaneers fan because I lived in Florida for a few years, and um, I think the Florida Tourist Board is is dying for me to move back out there. Um, yeah. I keep the pitch because. I lived there from uh, 2000 to 2005. So uh, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup. The uh, Marlins won the World Series. And it's I was totally there. you, dude. It's totally yeah. you. Exactly. Well, none of those teams have won anything since. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, bringing in Arian, that speaks a lot. If you could get Bruce Arians out of retirement because he thinks Winston can do it, that speaks a lot. Yeah. I think you should be very, very cautiously optimistic about it. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not cautiously because I love Arians. He's another bald brother of mine. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> no. he tells people to go home and see their children instead of like some of these lunatic guys. Like he's just like a real authentic dude. I like him a lot. I love that. So, sort of um, before we get into the fantasy stuff, even though we've covered quite a bit already, um, what advice would you give to uh, our listeners who want to talk about or, or write about their passion? You know, whether that's <laughs> football, soccer, baseball, whatever it might be. Um, so, where they can start and and how they can get going in in, in this. Well, I always used to say any idiot can have a podcast because I did. So right off the bat, that tells you everything. But I think what you want to do is you want to be passionate about it. Don't, don't do it because you're like, I'm going to quit my job. Like it took me a decade to get to a point where I can say, yeah, you know what? This is my job. My job is this brand and the shows and the books. And it took a long time to do. It's not an overnight thing. People, people see it and they go, oh, wow, it's great. And you know, they don't realize all the hours and the traveling and all the things and stuff that you do trying to write these books when your kids are on nap and you know all that kind of stuff when they're little but do it because you have a unique sense about it do it because you have a real perspective don't 
don't just regurgitate whatever someone else is saying, you know, have a perspective, have a passion about it, have some structure too. people like us set up the show. What, here's what we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to talk about and talk about it with real passion and a unique perspective. And I think if you do that, eventually people will start to, you know, log, you know, start to find you and, and they, they become very loyal. As you said, like you have a certain number of listeners and they tune in every week and that's, that's the good start. That's telling you you're doing your something right right there. And then as you go on the industry, it's, it's meeting these other people and networking with them and, and, you know, being guests there so they can help pull you up. And, and there's, there's a group of this community that's awesome and a group that is less awesome. And, uh, I always like to say we're, you know, my group, I think of us as kind of like the cool kids. We're like the renegade second generation here coming through. We're like, yeah, you know what? That old way of thinking about things, that's just done. Let's, let's make Superflex the new standard of NFL. I mean, why the hell are we wasting the quarterback position? It's the most important position in the NFL, and there's one quarterback started in a, in, on each team in a 12-team league. That's stupid. You know, like why, why is a 200-point quarterback sitting on the waiver wire and we're, and we're trying to punch each other in the face over a 98-point running back? What the hell are we doing with our lives? That kind of stuff. Well, you have a perspective and, and you start to push the envelope and question. And, and I, think that's, I think that's the key. And then just relentless, is that, a, is that a good? I think relentless would be the next thing. Yeah, I think that, that's pretty accurate. We were having this chat with, uh, with Sam Lane just a couple of days ago and he was saying that people don't see the hours that go into the work people think oh you podcast for an hour two hours a week and that's it but actually it's the research it's the oh it's the show sheets it's the stuff you do it's and and you know what it's also surrounding yourself with people that you feel make you better you know i, I mean uh, when i got the opportunity to move to fan tracks and they asked me who do i want to do a show with it was these two guys from in this league this guy um the welsh and scott bogman who are freaking hilarious we see things the same way. We give each other crap constantly. It's like when you sit around with your friends and you make fun of each other and then you give really good opinions at the same time and then you make fun of each other some more. And that's, I think, I think the point. Like, it's entertainment. It's sports entertainment after all, right? Yeah, for sure. Spot on. I couldn't put it better. Which is why we get along so well because we just come to my mom's garage and have an absolute laugh every week. Exactly. And if you enjoy doing it, it comes through. You know, like I look forward to every Wednesday night and Sunday night when we record because I know I'm going to hang out with my guys and somebody's going to be cranky about something or somebody's going to have a story about something. And, you know, and we drift. We drift sometimes because, you know, I think there's nothing worse than listening to two people just rattle off stats. I mean, I, I can't do it. I love stats. Stats are great. We talk about them all the time. And I just think there's better ways. You can play games and, and you know, quiz each other about stuff. You can, you can make points using stats. But to just kind of, I don't know, to – it's got to be more than that. It's got to be a little bit of entertainment. It's got to make people want to tune in because they want to hear what you're going to say and then they want to learn something at the same time. And I think if you could do that, then consistently things will work out and people will eventually find you. And you know, relentless keeps coming to mind because you just can't take no sometimes for an answer. I've taken no a lot of times, believe me. I've been fired from more places than you could possibly imagine for no good reason where I worked more than I should have for less than I should have gotten and you know what? You just keep going. Screw it. Screw it. And I, what do I believe in what I'm doing or not? Yeah, man. Well, Joe, you're here to talk fantasy. So let's get into it. We've mentioned the black book, but how did your 2018 fantasy season go? How many leagues did you play in? How many did you win? Ugh, I won zero. The two number one picks I had in flex league with Jake Seeley. I took Le'Veon Bell because he got in my head about it. I was going to take Gurley because I was the guy two years ago in the black book who said Todd Gurley is going to be fantasy MVP. And people laughed at me out of the building. They laughed at me on Twitter. They called me insane. Not insane anymore after that year, right? Of course not, because people, they, they are too reactionary to stuff. Get rid of Jeff Fisher, get a great offensive mind, and Todd Gurley goes right back to that a concept of a top five back. Well, nobody was buying into it except me. So last year, two years ago now, I won everywhere because I own Todd Gurley everywhere because nobody else wanted to. Now, this year was different because the two number one picks I had was Love Bell. That did not work out. Uh, I placed in a couple leagues, but I have zero championships, which is sad. But, you know, the, the grade is tough when you're playing against Mike Clay and you're, you know, playing against Bob Harris and you're playing against people like that. They, uh, they're they pretty good at what they do. So the margin of error becomes far, far less. So, And I also play a lot of DFS, so I, I kind of like not having commitment to players too where every week I can change it up and do that. Yeah. So with that, it's, that said, what I bet, I bet you nobody will tell the truth about that. They'll all come on and be like, oh, no, yeah, I won a few leagues. No, I won zero. Yeah, I'm good at what I do. I won zero because other people 
just, you know, they, they beat my ass and won in two leagues and I, I beat my own. So what are you going to do? Such is life. You, you dust yourself off and go play again. Marcus Grant didn't win any either. He's, he said that as well. Oh, it's a, and that's why Marcus and I have been, you know, he, he's been on my show a million times. And I've been on his show a bunch. And that's why, because, you know, he just keeps it real, man. Yeah. Yeah. I only won one and that was because Philip Lindsay didn't play in the final. So, you know. There you go. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of luck that happens. I mean, imagine all those girly teams that were floating through first round buys and then the season went to crap this year. You know, there's a lot of, you know, you can have all the, you know, uh, all the good intentions and all do all the good work. And then there's a certain amount of, of luck. But if you build your rosters right and you stay aggressive on the waiver wire, hopefully you can overcome bad luck. But to a certain extent, sometimes you just can't. And you have to, you have to understand that and then just keep focusing on the teams that are still viable that you have. I, I agree. I, I drafted terribly in a number of leagues, but waiver wire and tactics were, you know, seeing who I was playing in a head-to-head matchup and just blocking them from picking up necessary players when they had injuries, handcuffing their running backs so that when things happen, you know, I pivoted to Spencer Ware and Damian Williams before anybody <laughs> even knew what was going on with Kareem Hunt. Um, because it wasn't even because I knew what was going to happen. It's because I wanted to handcuff in case, uh, what had happened previously happened. And that was, I think, you know, that's luck. I mean, but it was also just preparing for it. I had the spare space and those moves won me championships when yeah. people were, were just thinking about week to week. I was thinking about, you know, three, four weeks in advance. And I think that plays a big part of it. If you don't draft well, it doesn't mean your season's over. You can do a lot of surgery on the wire if you're smart, but if you can plan ahead and, and play the game, and get really smart with tactics, you can overcome a bad roster to a point, and then you, you get into a final. I got into semi-finals as a three or four seed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only one league I finished with the one seed. Uh, I came I came back from a league where I was 0-5. Oh, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, in terms of handcuffing too, you know, handcuffing is very specific. The deeper the league, and you start to just take flyers on guys like Connor. Last year I took some flyers on Connor, and that had mixed results. But, you know, I think that, a lot of it has to do with you going back to RPV and relative position value and saying, all right, well, if this guy doesn't play, what's the replacement? Like Ezekiel Elliott's backup is never going to come close to Ezekiel Elliott. You're, you're just fooling yourself. It's just, it's, it's a, you're, you're in fantasy land, so to speak. So understanding that there's, there's opportunities where you say, okay, well, James Conner, he might have an opportunity to perform well because this line is, is, you know, healthier and this, this system is built for running back to succeed. And, and it's not that Dallas isn't, but the drop off in talent, Connor was a very highly thought of guy who had a lot of injuries. So I think that's the kind of stuff where handcuffing can get a little tricky. You want to pick and choose those situations. So you don't end up having guys in your roster that are completely not useful to you in bye weeks or when you have injuries, just because you're paying for insurance play to win. The first six weeks of the football season are very important. Play to win, worry about the playoffs in November. That's when you start worrying about playoffs. That's fair. Yeah. So what quickly, what do you think is going to change fantasy wise in 2019 from 2018? I, I see a lot of people starting to move towards Superflex. You know, two years ago, I kind of was trying to start this movement in the book and I made the case for it. And I kind of just talked about it here too, is why are we utilizing or underutilizing, I should say the most important position on the field. Shouldn't fantasy mirror the real game as much as possible. Isn't that the experience we're trying to mirror? And if so, then, you know, at least give people the option to start a second quarterback. I'm not saying, and I'll tell you what, if you're playing an eight-team league because you don't have a lot of friends, that's fine. Make it a two-quarterback league. Challenge yourself. And I, I, think, I think what we're going to see next year, and, and it's funny because when zero RB happened in 2017, remember that everybody, all the sheep went into zero RB. And the 2017 Black Book basically said, this is the dumbest thing ever. When there's less of something, it doesn't become less valuable. It becomes more valuable, like diamonds, you idiots. And, and <laughs> I like... I was like, well, you know, there's, you know, there's not enough of them, so screw it. I don't want any. No, no, you want them because they're very valuable. And being able to target and saying, okay, Todd Gurley has the potential late to be that guy. And, and, and make, maybe reaching, but making a calculated reach. And I think that's the thing. You know, people get into this thing. There, there's always a group think in fantasy football because ESPN is such a huge thing. And when those guys put out their stuff or Roto World puts out their stuff, people then get sucked into it. And I hate that cliche of zig when everyone else is zagging because that's dumb too. You just want to be flexible. Every draft is unique. But at the same time, I think what you want to do is you want to get in there and you want to you know, understand, exploit the format you're playing, make a plan for that, and then be flexible in drafts. But trend-wise, I, I think what you're going to see next year, there's so many good wide receivers that 
you can make a case that this is that it could be a you're going to see drafts possibly that are whole first round running backs and whole first round uh, second round wide receivers. It's it's very possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility, and that's going to be a, a fascinating thing to watch. And it'll be fascinating to see what some of the big box places start to talk about and how people follow that when maybe they should rethink exactly how you want to approach things. Because now there are more running backs and there are more options. Yeah, we did a first round mock way too early to see. And I think maybe we had one wide receiver in a 12-team mock, maybe two. I think we had two. So... And, and you know what? It's, it's all about touching the football, right? You know, the, the, if the back and, and understanding the offense and if the back's touching the football a lot in the offense, good things tend to happen. And as great, and I'm the biggest like DeAndre Hopkins fan in the world, but you know, it's, it's hard to justify him over still those guys that, you know, every week are going to be money in the bank points. And yeah, you know, towards the end of the first round, you can start make those, those question marks and, you know, are you going to believe in James Conner? I don't know. We still got a lot of ways to see what teams do and who they bring in and who they don't, but you know, it's going to be a wacky off season because the draft is not very good. So I would imagine there's going to be a lot of player movement this year, not just free agents, obviously, but some trades and some stuff's going to happen because this is not a great draft year necessarily, especially for offense. So you could see a lot of teams making some interesting moves in the off season. They're going to really impact your fantasy lineups in 2019. I agree, and I think this is the year that I reckon you'll see four, five, six teams completely blow their Super Bowl windows by overpaying free agent or trade talent. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good prediction. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that there's a real possibility that happens, and we're also seeing the, uh, a new uh, golden era of quarterbacks too because you've got Mahomes, you've got Andrew Luck healthy, you've got uh, Baker Mayfield who looks like he's the real deal, and it's great because two years ago – you know, Brady and Breeze and, you know, guys, Rodgers are all getting old and everyone's looking around going, who's going to pick up the torch? And, and now you got these guys and you got the Watsons of the world and the Holmes is just, it's a freak. But you know what? There will be people who, who decide to take Patrick Mahomes, which is stupid in a single quarterback league. You don't take Patrick Mahomes in the first round or the second round because RPV will tell you if you go 12 deep at quarterback, there's not that much of a difference you're going to find where it's worth overpaying because you're going to miss out on the other talent that will then hit you harder in the negative at running back and at wide receiver because there's just less of them. And you have to play more of them. Yeah, completely agree. I think that's a, a real good take. Yeah, absolutely. So Super Bowl is literally just around the corner now. Did you have a prediction at the start of the season? Who did you think was going to get there? I had the Pats and the Vikings. I thought the Vikings were going to – I thought Cousins, was they were going to shake off the dust and they were going to really make a run. And then, you know, they had a tough schedule. And they lost a lot of games. You know, if the Eagles were the team two years ago where everything bounced their way, I feel like the Vikings were the team that everything bounced their opposite way that could have possibly gone wrong, just went wrong for them at the worst times. And it's a, it's a shame, but, you know, it's great to see the Rams in there. I'm a big fan of Sean McVay, as I said earlier, and I think it'll be fun to watch his handler grab him and keep him off the sideline. Why he can't, like, focus enough to stay out of the way or get off the field, I don't know why, but it's hilarious. I don't know why that's the case. Maybe I'm sure there's prop bets on it. Like how many times does that guy have to grab him and pull him off the field? Cause that would be hilarious. I'd like to wager on that. I just love that that guy's job. And he's so right, that's his job. That's his job. He should make a Super Bowl commercial where he's like training for it. <laughs> that would be the greatest commercial ever. I hope they do. That would be amazing. That would be so good. That'd be like a good one for Gatorade or something to do. So yeah, if they win the Super Bowl next year, you're going to see that commercial market here. You heard it here first. They're totally going to see that commercial. and It's going to run every five seconds. It's a world exclusive. Yeah. So one of the, one of the next questions is who do you want to win the game? But as you're, <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, it's, you know, losing to the Rams is would yeah, look when you, when you, when you sit back and as a Patriots fan, you know, I'm a spoiled brat, man. I, I've gotten so much joy from that team. When they lose the Super Bowl, I'm disappointed, but I'm never complaining about it. Yeah, some calls that can go our way last year, but so what? We didn't play well enough. Uh, but I think the thing is that I think Goff, if you still watch him, even in that last game of the NFC Championship game, he still misses the open guy a lot. He doesn't, he doesn't see where he is sometimes, and he's, sometimes he makes impulsive throws still, and sometimes he doesn't let the play develop as much as he should. He gets a little jumpy, and I think that's the kind of thing where you do it against the Patriots, going to put you in a world of hurt. Because they're not a great defense, but they've always been opportunistic, and they're always in the right place at the right time. And that is a problem. Now, I also think a bigger problem is how healthy is Gurley. Because I would say, I mean, he was training for the Tour de France there two weekends ago. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but he ain't right. And maybe he gets right in these two weeks, and it's an amazing thing, and it's like the big rope-a-dope uh, rope kind of thing. But 
I don't know, man. No Todd Gurley. I think it's real tough for the Rams to win. I, I would say the Patriots are the smart money there, but you know, it's they've lost before. But it's not an NFC East team, so at least I, I can breathe a little easy on that. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. So, come on then. What's your um, score prediction, and who is going to be the MVP? Well, it's always Brady, right? Because even when James – I mean, what more did James White have to do statistically? You know, but still, it's, it's going to be Brady. And um, it might be boring, but when you realize he's been to more Super Bowls than entire franchises have, I think even if you, even if you hate the Patriots, if you don't respect them, then I just, I'm just kind of like, well, do you even like football, bro? Like, do you, do, you, do you even have any respect for what this guy has done in an era that with the salary cap and, and it's so difficult to maintain a, a team – year over year uh, it's unbelievable um but i would say score wise give me 27 21 i think that's a that's a good score there for them i i agree i and do you know what chris and i've been working on a, a, a don't know what you call it an article doesn't do it justice because it's it's quite long with a lot of research it's like a short story yeah i think that's probably a good way of putting it so we've been working on a piece for a while um based off are you, are you familiar with um zach moore's book caponomics uh yes i am very good. And uh, there's a baseball uh, hot stove economics, which is also a great read by JC Bradbury. Same oh, kind of vein. I'll have to add that to the list. Yeah. And, um, it, we've kind of taken that to try and come up with conditions that you can use to predict Super Bowl or not Super Bowl playoff teams every year. Um, things that and I'm not going to go into too much detail because we're not quite finished, but um, but things like uh, looking at how much cap is spent and where that cap is spent and um, things like looking at GMs and head coaches and their tenure and things like that. And um, when doing all the research that you truly get to understand that what Belichick and Brady are doing, I don't think you'll ever see it again. Well, part of the thing that's staggering is they always get rid of people before their expiration date. They never pay for what you did. They only pay for what you could do next year. And it's ruffled a lot of fans over the years. It ruffled when Vinatieri left. It ruffled when they got rid of Rabel, when they got rid of Richard Seymour. When, they, I mean, they just the list goes on and on and on and on and on. They, they get rid of you before you go bad. And that is unpopular, but winning is everything. And, they, and they've, that's the problem. A lot of organizations, they feel this pressure from the fans to be loyal. But really, the organization should be loyal to the fans, not the player necessarily. Yeah. That's a tough pill to swallow, but it's, it's true. Yeah. I just think they're incredible in, in how they're structured and the way that they continue to defy the odds in, in, a, in a sport where it's completely designed to be an equalizer every, every few years with draft picks and with cap. I mean, it's not like baseball where the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to continue to dominate baseball for as long as you can. And you might get a couple of teams turn up for a couple of years, but the way that they get so much more money than everywhere else, it's just... Yeah. The system is set up to prevent something like the Patriots from ever happening. And they it's 20 years now. So it's wild. And, and you know what? I always thought Brady would have an expiration date too. And, and I think there was a big heated discussion about it a couple of years ago. And, you know, the ownership won. And Belichick was like, all right, well, don't, if I say I told you so, don't, you know, like I'm just saying. And, you know, he made it to two more Super Bowls. So ownership was right there. And maybe you do make an exception because of the position and because he happens to be one of the greatest ever played, if not the greatest. And that's an argument for another show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's massively underrated what the Patriots have done. And I don't think it's talked about enough in general, not fantasy, but just in general NFL terms to the general fan, because I'm a member of so many Facebook groups, but just because it's a part of how I communicate right. with people and the amount of people are saying, Oh, well, I'm not watching the Super Bowl because the Patriots are there and it's They're lying. They all do. Yeah, yeah, I know, but there will, there will be some that will turn off because the Patriots are there again. And they're the same people who would be out there waving the flag if Tom Brady was their quarterback and Bill Belichick was their coach. Absolutely. They'd be so proud, and they'd be wearing all the colors, and it would be completely obnoxious. And, and like I said, I get it. It's tiresome. I hear you. Believe me, I totally get it. It doesn't get old for the Patriots fans, and it wouldn't get old for you either. And I think what everybody just needs to understand is you're seeing something in sports. It's very special here. And you can, you can not like it, but if you don't appreciate it, I, I question if you really love football and if, and if you really do, because it's, it's a staggering thing to watch. I, I completely agree. And I think, um, you know, for those who are listening who are familiar with Premier League football, you know, a similar thing happened with um, Manchester United, you know, when the Premier League was born, right. launched, 
Uh, so Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United, were the most hated team in, in the country. Um, you know, they, they won Premier League after Premier League. Uh, they never quite won like three in a row. They win two and then Blackburn would win one and then they'd win two and then Arsenal would win one and then they'd win three and then Arsenal would win again. And it was just like for, for about eight years, it was only Arsenal and Manchester United and then all this sort of money came in. And, and, and Alex Ferguson had that dynasty for 20 years and it lasted sort of exactly 20, 21 years. And, and then he stepped down and, and from when he left... That, you know, they've not won another league title since, and they haven't really come close. And yeah. we now know that dynasty is dead. It is like they're still a top team and they'll still compete and they'll, you know, but. And it, Belichick will outlast Brady. I'll, I will say it until my dying day. He will because he will, you know, because physically he's not going to have any limitations and he just loves to do it. And when you think about the fact that, you know, Parcells never won without him. You know, he went to Cleveland of all places and got them into playoffs and then they moved the team on him and then everything just went in a complete crapper. You know, when you think that this guy's done nothing but win everywhere he's ever gone. You know, the, the Patriots under Parcells, they didn't get to that Super Bowl until Belichick was on that staff last time I checked. So, I mean, the guy is just, he is probably the greatest football mind that we'll see in our generation for sure. Maybe Bill Walsh was in the eighties. I mean, you can make some arguments back and forth about that one too, but I mean, Belichick right now, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's like they're, they're just working on a different plane. They just really are. Everyone else is playing checkers and he's playing chess. Yeah. And, and, and I think my point is that whilst everyone hates it now, I think from the day Belichick leaves, you fast forward five years and he'll be talked about in so in such a different light Probably negativity will never exactly because the fatigue is is gone, Adam. That's why because because the fatigue factor of having every year is like oh I just want to see something different, you know, or or why can't my team have a shot? I mean, imagine if you're a fan of a team from the AFC East where you've had no chance for twenty years, except for two years where the Jets had a window and they didn't kind of capitalize on it. So, you know, that's why they were so you know chippy when they won those two years because they had been waiting so long, and that's why they get so frustrated since. Yeah, hundred percent. I think people need to appreciate what they're watching just a smidge more as well. Yeah. Just... Especially in the UK. I, I kind of get it in America because you've grown up with that rivalry. But here in the UK, like, it's not like we've got a team. We haven't got skin in the game. Right. So it's not like... Okay, look, I, I, I live near Tampa, so I'm a Tampa fan. But I've never, ever resented the Patriots to the sense of, oh, do you know what? If they ever won again, that would be me. I'd just never watch it again. Like, you just got to understand and accept that what is there want. a team that's more popular there that you would say, you know, this is the most popular? Or is, is there a player maybe? Too? There is a lot of Pats fans. Uh, Jaguars, because they are, they come here every year. So I think a lot of people that have just started to get into it in the last few right. years. Will, that makes sense because of Con and all, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch it every year. And then your generic big teams. There's a lot of Packers fans. There's a lot of Raiders fans for some reason. Yeah, well, <laughs> good luck with that, boys. <laughs> well, they might come here in 2019. They haven't got a home. There's some talks on on them maybe playing here. I mean, uh, in terms of like for their season, we don't know yet. Um, But that's, that's a rumor flying around. There's a lot of um, Miami Dolphins fans from the older generation. So uh, the NFL first tried to really make a go of it in London in the late eighties. And there was a television package and the package was specifically for the Miami Dolphins. So the Dolphins games were always played over here. Oh, that in, makes sense. In the early 90s. So that generation of older fans, sort of in your 40s, your 50s, uh, are, are Dolphins fans because that was who was always on TV. And then, um, and also you've got things like Ace Ventura, pop culture. So I think the pop culture team, so uh, that's, I think, why there's Raiders fans because they've seen the, the silver and gold in, in, or the silver black in films and, Again, the well, Dolphins. they're also one of these legendary franchises too, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Forty yeah. Niners um, fans again from that older generation. I think I think fantasy football has a lot to do with who young our generation and, and younger pick who they support because I you know I got into it just because I played a Madden demo and it was either the Cowboys or the Broncos and, and I picked the Broncos. But if you don't have a team and you play fantasy football, and let's for instance say this year Saquon Barkley was your running back and he went off, why not? Right. Be- and because you know he's your boy, and and throw a blue on him. Well, and that's I think there's a certain amount of kids in the states that feel that way too. They see a great player, and then they become a fan because of Bo Jackson, or they became a fan because you know um, Joe Montana, or whatever it was. And then I, I think that's 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 the same here. And it, I think you're going to see a lot of Chief jerseys and a lot of Mahomes jerseys in the next three years everywhere because that kid's just he's special, man. I think that's going to be a huge 
a huge opportunity here. I think you might see some more Saints fans come up, even though we're kind of coming to the end of a breeze. I think the other influencer here is who makes the Super Bowl and the year that people got into it. So I've seen uh, some more Philly fans this year after what happened last year. Broncos fans, as a result, maybe people that got in around Super Bowl 50. I think that's also quite a bit of an influencer. Unfortunately, don't seem to find as many Bucks fans as I would like, although we're trying to go it out, or I'm trying to go it out mechanically. <laughs> um, there are also a couple of good uh, Bucks network out here, um, which is good. But yeah, it, it, I tell you what, when Arians might help get some new fans. <laughs> Let's hope. Fingers crossed for the bald man. Yeah, 100%. Cannot wait. We're conscious of time. We've run for, for almost an hour. so uh... And we haven't even touched on fantasy football. <laughs> well, I'll just, we'll just have to set it up and do it again sometime. That How's that? Perfect. I think that's uh, that's the way to spin it. So I think if we can get you back on in a in a few weeks' time, we'd love to have you back and and go through what we've got down. If if that's good for you, absolutely, boys. This was great fun, and and I'm I'm excited. Like it's it's great for us over here to get the perspective too, and and to see how the game is starting to grow, and and how the fantasy game is affecting it, and and it's just awesome. So I'm, this was so much fun, and it's it's great to get that perspective and and uh, and go back and forth. And I will share your perspective with with my listeners because I think it's awesome, man. So I'm very, very excited and humbled you asked me to be on. Uh, we're, we're, so, we're so thrilled. And I know you, you, you were sort of getting in the baseball season as well. Uh, doubt you're probably you going to try and come over for the uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees series? Although we've only got uh, I, you know, that would be super fun. The problem is it's always time and getting away and all that. But now I think in the next couple of years since, the, you know, my kids, I have two daughters, eight and six, and they're starting to get bigger. So now things are easier and, you know, so traveling is going to be easier. But like I said, I actually, you know, went to school in England for, uh, for a time in, in Oxford. But don't worry, I'm not stuffy. I went, you know, and, uh, and uh, it was great yeah. fun. And I loved London and we used to go there every weekend and it was just a wonderful experience. So I'm a big fan. So I, w- I would love nothing more than to one day have to get to cover games and talk football with you guys and be there and in a pub and we can all get hammered together. Well, if you do, the first few rounds are on us, that's for sure. And- Deal. <laughs> that's what <laughs> Well, look, obviously we'll hopefully talk before, but if not, if the, when the – first um, MLB games happen uh, I'll get some content for you and some pictures of what it will look like because it's the first time we've got it over here fingers crossed we get it back as well yeah absolutely man awesome. well Joe thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure likewise absolutely best of luck guys and we'll, uh, we'll get you back on great. 100% great well Murph I will see you Thursday Joe it's been a pleasure until Thursday Rush Nation keep rushing can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.